By all accounts, they were an unfortunate pair, a single mom forced to care for her daughter and her many illnesses. As if that weren't bad enough, their home was destroyed in Hurricane Katrina. For nearly a decade, the pair made a home in Springfield, Missouri. But what their neighbors didn't suspect was one of the worst cases of Munchausen syndrome by proxy was occurring right across the street. Then, a chance meeting online changed everything. This week's episode is Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. Have you ever suspected your neighbors of doing something really secretive, like the Burbs style? That is hilarious that you just asked me that question because I was driving out of my subdivision and I was passing by a house that has a shed in the back with an air conditioner window unit in it. Oh, like Dexter. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought I heard a noise that I think was a screeching dog. But as I drove past, I just thought, I have no idea what goes on. Yeah. In any of, because we all have stockade fences, you know, big wooden fences. We just don't know. Yeah. We have no idea. And even if we say hi, howdy to our neighbors and wave at them, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You have no idea. I know. I think about that all the time. Just even driving down the highway or something, if you look over into a neighborhood, or and I like to in hotels or something like if you drive by a bunch of hotels because you just don't know you it's there's also a, a term for it and I think it's a French word and I can't remember it but I was one of those BuzzFeed listicles that says ten words in different languages that totally nail a feeling and it oh, would be yeah. like Schadenfreude or whatever yeah but it's a French word I think or maybe a Japanese word there was words from all languages that is the feeling you get when you're driving down the highway and you look into a car and you imagine somebody's life. Oh. Or like what I did this weekend when I play cover band day job where you look at members of a cover band with your friends and try to guess what their day jobs are. When you look at someone and try to extrapolate and think about what their lives must be like beyond what you can see. Well, it's interesting you say that because for the past few months or so, whenever... Not whenever, but a lot of times if I'm driving on the street and I see someone or even wherever I am, if I look at someone, I have an instant flash and feeling of what their life is like. Ooh. But I also am an empath. So I True. feel other people's emotions and I it can be very draining for me to be around certain people because I just feel like they drain my energy. But I often wonder... Am I am I really having some sort of psychic premonition like and a feeling flash. as to what this person's life is like? Or am I just assuming that I know based on what they look like? And am I profiling? You're just, you're just guessing. Basically, am I just profiling? But it happens so fast and it's such a – it's not just a thought. It's a feeling that I get too. I feel like their sadness for where they're yeah. coming from or their – 
weariness for they're about to have to go home and cook dinner for all their kids after they just left their job where they've been standing on their the hard job. All day. Yeah, I just have these feelings. I had that this weekend. I saw a gaggle of women walk past the person I was I think with. They're called waggles. A waggle, and I said to them. Those three women all at least five times in each of their lifetimes have complained at a bed, bath and beyond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can just well that it. that I think that's a look. Just you tell. you can look at a certain woman and say, mm, yeah, she's she's asked to speak to a Chili's manager before. There is <laughs> she's no com- doubt about she it. She complained because her twenty percent off coupon was expired. Yeah, or they wouldn't let her use multiples and stack them on. <laughs> Ma'am, this can't be zero dollars. <laughs> you can't just keep using hundred percent off discounts. Yeah, oh, they used to let you use those when they were expired, and now they don't. That sucks. It's Although you the can worst just thing Bed Bath Beyond's ever done. You can just look it up on the internet. Yeah, that's true. Also, you can just order everything off Amazon, and it's probably way cheaper. Which is what I do. Oh yeah, same. I, had, <laughs> I was in Target. And I think just I had, had four things delivered to me from Amazon today. <laughs> in the Target store, I just ordered it right from my phone. And oh, said, I don't want to stand in line. Yeah. I'm going to go. I will go to Target. And think, which one of these things do I want? And then I'll Google them on Amazon to look at the reviews. And then I'll just order it from Amazon. Because you can't have reviews at Target. True. Unless someone's standing in the aisle. Hey, lady, you ever use one of these? <laughs> and then you're that person. I want to be the person giving reviews at oh, Target. Oh, I would. I, just, uh, I would go, here, here, Target, you're losing sales is what I'm hearing right now. Yeah. And what I've got for you is a solution. Give me a red vest. Ask me anything. I'll walk up and down the aisles, and if people want my opinion, I'll give it to them. You can just wear a red shirt, too. That's true. Unless, khaki you, want, pants. unless you want a vest. Do you I'd want like, a vest? I'd rather have a vest. Okay. I'd like to wear my own shirts, and I'd rather <laughs> Your have own a shirts with a red vest over, over it them, yes. And khaki pants. Ask me anything. I'll stand in the Target. You want to, I'll open it doesn't it even up. have to be about our products. No. Give me anything. Ask, ask her anything. No. Who shot JFK? Get ready. Oh, ho, ho. Get ready, you guys. Uh, have I got some news for you? Whoa. At the at the I was at the Grassy Knoll this weekend. I was at the Grassy Knoll or no. Yeah, I was at the Grassy Knoll last weekend. And it says this is what we do in Dallas, hang out at the Grassy Knoll. But there's a sign on the side of the school book depository that says, you know, on this day, President Kennedy, you know, November 22nd, 1963, where Lee Harvey Oswald allegedly shot the president. Allegedly. And someone has taken a silver Sharpie marker or just scratched off the paint. Anyway, there's a big silver square around allegedly. Really? <laughs> so it's, it doesn't claim that it was alleged? They're saying Lee Harvey Oswald did it. No, no, no. It says allegedly. Oh, they wrote in allegedly. No, no, no. It says it on the sign allegedly, and people have just gone and circled it to emphasize. gotcha, gotcha. I was at Clyde Warren Park this weekend where there was a group of flat earthers preaching to everyone. No. Did you talk to them? No. You got to chase them down. When I'm with my daughter, I have to pick and choose my conspiracy theory battle. You're like, Tommy, hold the baby. I got to do something. (laughs) I'm surprised I did. Hold my baby. Oh, speaking of babies, yeah, this this young girl from the time she was a baby on, good Christ, she she never had a fair shake. Nope, she never had a fair shot. Heads up, guys, this is a doozy of an episode. It's pretty disturbing. It's there's a lot of real disturbing stuff. <sighs> if you've watched the act recently on Hulu, I have watched the whole thing. They do an excellent job heather and i were both very surprised at how good this show was the production quality is phenomenal the director of photography whoever's in charge with so the, good the lighting and color choices yes. and how different eras are lit in different ways and then of course the acting patricia acting arquette's is great insane. 
uh, the crazy Nick guy, Nick Godejean, is pretty good. I mean, he's he's, he's so great. Good, he scares me. And Joey King is who plays Gypsy is she fantastic. Deserves an Emmy. I honestly, th- I hope they all get nominated because that's she's how phenomenal. good they are. She, I mean, she just it just gets you in the gut. Yeah. When she's looking in the mirror and crying, and or you see this pained look of longing, and she it conveys so much with so little, with just because she's not a you know, the real Gypsy Rose was highly controlled by her mom and wasn't really allowed to move, and you just see this girl truly emoting. Mm-hmm. It's just so phenomenal. Great facial expressions throughout. Yeah. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into today's topic, which is Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Dee Dee Blanchard, born Claudine Petrie in 1967, grew up in the small town of Golden Meadow, Louisiana, with her mom, dad, and five siblings. What a nice sounding town it that sounds is. Sounds Golden Meadow. Sounds like a Disney town. You, and you've been to Louisiana, right? Oh, many times. I like Louisiana. It's I love nice, Louisiana. Phenomenal. Yeah, New Orleans is a fantastic city. Dee Dee was 24 when she started dating 17 year old Rod Blanchard. She was working in a hospital as a nurse's assistant, and Rod worked on a fishing boat. The young couple first met in a bowling alley in New Orleans. Rod said Dee Dee was, quote, different and unlike any other girl he had met. I wonder how you meet a person in a bowling alley. I was recently bowling, and I was too busy throwing strikes. Oh, that's how you meet someone. I guess so. so. Or somebody in that situation should have met you. We were there with clients, and my boss said, we were having a competition, and my boss said, you're up first. And I thought, oh, Jesus That's Christ, pressure. I'm embarrassed the fucking company. <laughs> and I get up there and I throw it and it was a strike. And I was like, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I'm just standing they, in the back. But see, you screwed yourself because you have to maintain that exactly for the rest Everyone of your game. Everyone cheered and they were, yeah. it, it was the greatest Did high. Did you throw gutter balls? The, the highest the high and then the lowest low. Yeah. I just, I just hid in the back and I let everyone else take yep. turns. So I, I, have to I, go. I enjoy bowling. Here's what I don't like about bowling. I feel so awkward and don't know what to do once I've thrown the ball. I, do you stand there and just watch stand it. there and watch it? Do you turn around and interact with your friends? Do you, I don't know. Swill your beer. It, it's such an awkward couple of seconds it that is. it makes me have a lot of anxiety. No, it's bowling. true. Also, people, my, my, the way you do your leg when you throw oh, the ball. Oh, I don't do that. I always feel I sort of tiptoe weird. up and then I throw it overhanded so it... <laughs> Throw it over. It goes dunk, and there's a. Well, I guess it's not. It's a flick. I do a flick wrist. But you don't. You don't do it I can't, the way I, you're supposed to. I have uh, borderline carpal tunnel syndrome, so I can't bowl oh. normally. So I do. Uh, you can't really see what I'm doing. It's audio. It's not interesting to anyone but you. But she's holding it as if you would palm something. Yes, and then throw it. Stick that the way. old three fingers in, and then you Hell whip yeah. it forward. Yes, I throw a bowling ball the way I think they're intended to be thrown, yeah. but I don't do the fancy. Swivel my leg behind my other leg. No. Like kick. No. I've also completely thrown a ball and busted my ass you right fell after. down? <laughs> Many times. Is it heavy? How did that happen? I don't know. I slipped. They're slippery. The well, lanes are slippery. I fall down a lot, too. It's okay. <laughs> Sometimes I fall over just standing still. Yeah, I've done that. I slid on... I was leaning against the wall and just sort of slid down. No, I'll just be standing still and fall <laughs> just stumble over your body just goes out <laughs> i don't know what's wrong with me oh lord well it sounds like they found love in this bowling yeah. alley gutter balls or strikes be damned well not long after they started dating Dee Dee became pregnant despite not being in love with her rod felt the right thing to do was get married however a short three months later on rod's 18th birthday 
he realized he got married for the wrong reasons, and the couple separated. A few months later, in July of 1991, Dee Dee and Rod's daughter was born. Some claim they named her Gypsy Rose because Dee Dee liked the name Gypsy and Rod liked Guns N' Roses, while others say she was named after the famous stripper, Gypsy Rose Lee. Otherwise, either way, it's unfortunate. <laughs> either way, it's not. A friend of mine's named Gypsy after the Fleetwood Mac song, and every time anything with Fleetwood Mac comes up, she's like, I fucking hate Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> That's a sure way to get your kid to hate. Guns N' Roses, Fleetwood Mac, whatever. Although, Tommy is named after Tommy Lee. Are you joking? I'm not joking. I never knew that. His dad, while his mom was in labor, went to a Motley Crue concert. (laughs) (laughs) And during it thought, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) And then went back to to the hospital and was like, we should name him Tommy Lee. I have an idea. And she just (laughs) grabbed him by the throat and said, I'm going to kill you for leaving me. In labor, uh, but but named? I love the name. What are you named after? Um, I don't think anything. No. Well, my middle name is my mom's maiden name. Okay, but I don't think my first name was just something they liked. I did find out though the reason it's spelled the way it is, which is C H R I S T I E, is because my mom had bought a dresser, and she changed all the knobs on it to spell out my name, and there was eight knobs so she needed to have eight letters in my name i just found this out about six months if there ago. were six knobs you'd be c-r-i-s-t-i yeah she, it, that dresser determined the way my name was spelled that's hilarious yeah. isn't that crazy who are you named after uh, Anybody? I'm, I'm not named after a person my parents wanted a name that was easy to holler off a porch to get me to come home <laughs> well heather shannon that's why we're oh, named oh well they Good. are easy to holler off i think the porch. they they uh Played around with Bridget and Natalie, and those are not. Natalie's hard. Too many syllables. Bridget's easy. Bridget. Bridget. I would have been. That's the same as Heather. Yeah. Natalie. I feel like that's a little harder. Heather's the best, though. Heather. Heather is. Yeah. Heather. Yeah. That sounds like something you're gonna yell off a porch. I have a cousin named Heather too. Well, Bobby Petrie, Dee Dee's nephew, later recalled that while Gypsy's birth may have been slightly premature, possibly affecting the development of her skull. She had no real health issues as a baby. That's very lucky. When Gypsy was a mere three months old, Dee Dee believed that her baby was suffering from sleep apnea and would make her wear a heart monitor at night as well as a CPAP machine because she claimed Gypsy would stop breathing in her sleep. I don't think you can just claim that. That's a thing that either happens or doesn't. Here's the thing. I know the outcome of this, so I have zero sympathy for Dee Dee. But being a new mother is one of the most terrifying things somebody can go through. And it's so bizarre because you go to the birthing center or hospital or wherever you have your baby and you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. If Then you just leave and you have this baby. There's a person looking at you. <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing because it's it's just the weirdest, most surreal thing that like a few hours ago, this didn't exist. And now here it is and I have to care for it the rest of my life you don't have to ask anybody permission for exactly that and they just let you take it home because i let me just say my two dogs i found one of them in a gutter and the other one was found in a gutter and taken to the animal services and they gave her away on free dog day uh, a baby but normally a rescue dog you they gotta come check your house yeah, it's yeah. like a whole thing no anybody can have a baby you can just do whatever you want yeah. with it it's well hopefully you're you don't hopefully and you do it's what the you right should. thing but at three months old 
if you think your baby isn't sleeping through the night, that has to be terrifying. And you're going to panic and every little thing you think, oh, my God, is this normal? Are they should they be doing this? Should they not be doing this? And you do go to the doctor and, and you're stressed out and you're a nervous wreck. However, if you go to the doctor and they tell you everything's fine, she's just a normal baby, most parents would say, oh, God, thank God. Yeah. And go about their business. This was all happening before Google even existed. Yeah. Yeah. One wonders how she invented all these diseases. Spoiler alert. Mm. Well, unlike most parents, despite numerous hospital trips, medical tests, and doctors reassuring Dee Dee that Gypsy was a perfectly healthy baby, Dee Dee didn't believe them and became convinced Gypsy had an unspecified chromosomal disorder. She had worked in a hospital, so she had just yes. enough information to be dangerous. Which is one reason all the doctors always thought she knew what she was talking about, Ugh. because she knew these terms. these terms, these medicines, these diseases and everything. She could speak pretty eloquently as far as medical terms she go. Like she, she knew enough to be dangerous. Exactly. When Dee Dee and Rod had separated, Dee Dee and Gypsy moved in with Dee Dee's father and stepmother. But when Dee Dee told Rob about Gypsy's ailments... He became so worried about his daughter that he moved back in with Dee Dee to try and make the marriage work. Despite his efforts, this arrangement lasted only three months before they finally divorced. I don't ever like to make you listeners feel guilty, but on your behalf, I listened to the two available episodes of the Dr. Phil podcast. He only has two out? Yeah. And he interviews Rod, and Rod says she wasn't a terrible person, but, uh, you know, I figured she was all right and we could make it work, but I guess it did not work out that way. Uh, and that was some of the only moments of uh, interesting, valuable things from this podcast that's otherwise is it Dr. just a blowhard. It's just Dr. Phil off? yelling into the microphone going, this is horrible, terrible, <laughs> the worst thing, awful. I'm like, did you get us like you just got a thesaurus and you're just flipping through it? <laughs> also, everything you have said, a microphone so you can talk normally. Yeah, he just that's hollers. what microphones do. They enhance your voice. Nope, he just hollers into it. And any word he says it six times. She was a monster, a predator, so a terrible like person. He's like Nancy Grace. Yeah. Yes. Christ He's Almighty. Nancy Grace and on the phone. And what what do we say? It's all. Said, I think she has a podcast too. Oh, God. Yeah. You said uh, the worst thing Oprah did to America was give Dr. <laughs> Phil a microphone. Yeah. I stand by that 100%. Well, during this time, Dee Dee was accumulating more and more medical costs for illnesses for which she claimed Gypsy suffered and repeatedly took Rod to court to get reimbursement for these expenses. However, this type of manipulative behavior seemed to have started long before she ever met Rod. Dee Dee's family said that as a young girl, she would often engage in petty theft when things didn't go her way. She also had a history of writing bad checks. That's a part of the act where she's arrested. Yep. Uh, for that. And the mom lets her ta be taken by the police. <laughs> and also intentionally takes young two-year-old Gypsy in to watch her mother being arrested, yep. claiming... If you didn't want her to see this, then you shouldn't let this happen. God. They didn't have the best of relationships either. No, nobody in this family really did. No. Dee Dee began telling anyone that would listen that Gypsy suffered from leukemia, asthma, muscular dystrophy, and had the mental capacity of a seven-year-old as a result of her being born prematurely. The reality was Gypsy suffered from none of these ailments, but sadly was a victim of Munchausen by proxy. Munchausen by proxy is a disorder in which a parent or caretaker either fabricates an illness or induces an illness in their child or a person under their care. The majority of cases seen involve the parent and child, and the abusive parent is almost always the mother. 
I have a friend who's a medical provider who recently saw this in their hospital. It's and very said, upsetting. I said, what did you, what could you do? And they said, I'm intentionally saying they, so nobody knows who it sure. is. But they said, you can't do anything unless the parent insists on an invasive procedure, insists, insists, insists that you think is unnecessary. That would be, I guess, in theory, medical battery. And in that case, then you can try to call in Also CPS. child endangerment, and then you call CPS. Yeah, you can yeah. call CPS. But until then, the mom was just asking for urine tests and spit tests and lab tests and things. And uh, my friend just said, we were doing the tests, you know, because they'd say, we don't need to test his urine unless he's having trouble urinating. And the mom would say, you're having trouble urinating, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And the son would go, well, I mean, I mean, I, 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 you know, he is, he is, he's having, see, he said he was. That's very typical of a parent that has Munchausen by proxy. Yep. Well, an article from the University of Michigan School of Medicine states that doctors aren't sure what causes Munchausen by proxy but that it may be linked to problems during the abuser's childhood. Abusers often feel like their life is out of control. They often have poor self-esteem and can't deal with stress or anxiety. Well, and I think for Didi, it gave her some uh, semblance of usefulness. And oh, sure. They, I mean, it's 100% done for attention and... Personal self-gain. And personal self-gain or... And financial people gain. People fawning all over you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is believed that mothers that suffer from this disorder... Do it for attention and sympathy, not only from doctors and nurses, but also from others in their community. Financial gain has also been seen as a motivator for the abuse. I think in this case, it wasn't she didn't start off, in my opinion, start off for the money deal. I think she wanted attention because her husband left her. So she wasn't getting that attention and her had a strained relationship with her parents. She wasn't getting that attention. And it was a way to get attention and then a byproduct with all this money and she said, well, let's lean into that. Yeah. I also think that she was a very nervous, neurotic mother yeah. that maybe in the beginning really did think things were wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And then it just snowballed from there. I wonder, and maybe you can tell me just from researching the symptoms or the syndrome, does someone who commits, suffers from, commits, is involved in Munchausen by proxy, does the parent on some level know that the kid isn't sick or do they have a genuine unreasonable belief that the kid is sick? Interesting. You should ask a person that suffers from Munchausen syndrome by proxy often has these common characteristics. Medical skills or experience seems devoted to their child, seeks out sympathy and attention, tries too hard to become close and friendly with medical staff, needs to feel powerful and in control and does not see their behavior as harmful. So I think that they know that their kid isn't really sick, but they don't see their behavior as harmful. They see it as they are devoted to their child. I think in some cases they do believe that their child might actually be suffering from something, but that just no one can diagnose it. Like unspecified chromosomes. Yes, and instead of just accepting... No, they're perfectly healthy. They just can. But again, I think they're insisting on these tests and things because they see the attention that they get from mm-hmm. all of it. They become well-known figures at the hospital. True. They get, you know, calls from family all the time. It's a total attention-seeking thing. And so there's two kind of types of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. One is, and the more common one, is where... The and I'm going to say mother because that's the most common parent that usually does it claims that their kid has all these illnesses. The less common one, but the more 
even more dangerous and detrimental one is where they induce sickness in the child. That is, that's what so I've heard of before. It's very, it's awful. I just where read, they poison them with chromium or whatever or yeah. salt or yes. yes. I just read an article about this. She'd had a blog about being a mother and and was seeking all this money and got all this money for her sick five year old son. And then it came out that she had been injecting him with salt to and and he ended up dying because oh she my God. yeah. And so what does it do to you when you get injected with salt? Well, if a child has too much salt in their diet, their organs start shutting down and they die. So she intentionally knew she was doing this. So in that case, I mean, she knew she's got to know she's doing it. True. But for whatever reason, in the disconnect, they I mean, they continue doing it, thinking maybe they they can save them. Yeah. And it also, I think, feels good to them to be the one that then saves their child true they're sick and then they're the ones that provide that sense of relief and take their caretaker take him to the hospital or whatever well i think maybe for Dee, you're right she had a little bit of a delusion that something was wrong and she was just calling it these things i think though as it progressed she had to have she known knew. she knew. i mean she obviously she was knew. shaving her head yeah and and coaching her daughter on what to say true she knew she wasn't developmentally disabled right according to this list that we just went over Dee Dee was the classic MSBP mother. Dee Dee regularly shaved Gypsy's head so she would look like a chemotherapy patient. She also insisted that Gypsy be fed through a feeding tube and fed her the children's nutritional supplement Pediasure until she was well into her 20s. And again, there was no need for this. Nope. She just told Gypsy. And and one thing we haven't really touched on is she's telling Gypsy these things are all necessary. Yep. You can't eat. You're allergic to sugar. You'll die if you have sugar. You can't eat real food. Your body doesn't know how to process it. You have to have this feeding tube, blah, blah, blah. Gypsy doesn't. You you trust your parents. Why wouldn't you? I knew a girl. I was in ninth grade. She was in 10th grade. Her parents had told her that she was allergic to sugar. And, and she, just because they didn't want her eating it? She was rail thin. Yeah, she believed it. And I remember the day myself and a few friends and her were sitting at the lunch table and I don't remember what she was eating and she said I'm allergic to sugar I can't have it and she was eating like white bread and I said I think that's I said there's sugar sugar. in every food that you eat and she said no there's not I said take a sip of that Sprite and see what happens and she sipped it and there was nothing wrong and she said oh my gosh and from then on she would eat kind of candy or peppermints or whatever she wanted at school and then obviously not eat it at home but can you I mean that's almost a a parental imposed eating disorder Mm -hmm. as you you trick your kid into thinking they can't have it and she just decided you know what what they don't know don't hurt them wow so yeah if you watch the act it goes into this discovery that Gypsy has about this whole situation to further enhance the facade Dee Dee would take an oxygen tank with them when they would leave the house and forced Gypsy to use her wheelchair at all times. Around the time she was seven or eight years old, Gypsy was riding with her grandfather on his motorcycle when he had a minor accident, causing Gypsy to fall off and cut her leg. While it wasn't a serious injury, Dee Dee insisted it would require multiple surgeries in order to heal properly and forced Gypsy to start using a wheelchair to supposedly prevent further damage. Unbeknownst to Gypsy at the time, she would be confined to a wheelchair from this day forward, despite being completely capable of walking on her own. I mean, this little girl, every part of her childhood was taken from her. She didn't get to run and play with her friends. No. or She wasn't allowed to play. She scraped her knee. That's what happened here. Yeah, she, she scraped, scraped her knee. She wasn't allowed to jump on trampolines. She wasn't allowed to even have friends I mean, of a her bounce own. house. Yeah, yeah she I couldn't mean, interact with anybody. Anything. It is terrifying as a parent to watch your kid 
start to become adventurous and go off and do things because you want to protect them. I'll watch Ella. We were at the park and she's running around and there's all these big kids running around that could knock her over. And I'm nervous for that. But if it happens, you're there and hopefully everything's fine. Most likely it will be. But that's how they kind of learn to deal with life. Mm-hmm. And that's how they learn, like, oh, it's okay if I fall down. I can get back up and I'll I'll be okay. My niece, literally, my sister and brother-in-law have taught her that when she falls down to stand up and physically make the motion of dusting your shoulders there off. There you go. They'll say, dust yourself off. And she'll just, <sighs> and she dusts yeah. her little shoulders off. And it, it, like you said, it's resilient. They're teaching her to be really resilient and come back. Otherwise, from- you live in a bubble and you don't know how to face any kind of Those circumstances life throws your way. It's another thing that the actress, you said Joey King is her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really portrays this sense of longing looking out yeah. the window looking at other kids having fun interacting and laughing while her mom's just pumping her full of pediasure in her gut yeah, yeah. it's sad oh it's man it's very sad it's very very sad gypsy longed for friends her age and for interaction with people other than her mother unfortunately for her Dee Dee insisted on homeschooling her daughter claiming that her illnesses were far too severe for her to attend public school. I think to keep up the charade, too. She had to control her 24-7. Oh, I mean, if she went to school, that's eight hours of her day that she doesn't know what's going on and doesn't know what she could be saying, or maybe she decides to get up on the playground, just walk around. Yeah, it stands up, and and suddenly your whole fake life you've been living is busted out. In another bizarre proclamation... Dee Dee claimed Gypsy taught herself to read by reading the Harry Potter books, which makes little sense due to the complex plot and language used in these books. That would there would just be no way that she learned how to read from that. First of all, she, all she would do is talk about wizards and spells all the time. True, she would think that was true. But also, and I, she might be British. <laughs> but I can't imagine that's that would be a very complicated book to learn how to read from, especially if she has the developmental age of a seven-year-old. I mean, a seven-year-old can read a Harry Potter book, but I don't think they would teach themselves to read. No. Yeah. That's insane. Well, during this time, Dee Dee and Gypsy were still living with Dee Dee's dad and stepmom, and things had gone from bad to worse. Several members of the family believed that Dee Dee was poisoning her stepmom by putting Roundup weed killer in her food, which had caused her to become chronically ill. The family had also always had their suspicions that in 1997, Dee Dee might have killed her own mother by denying her food. Why was this woman allowed in the kitchen? <laughs> Why was she allowed Around anywhere? any vulnerable people. But again, you can't prove these types of things. You have your suspicions, okay. but it's not something that can be proved. How many family members of yours are you suspicious maybe poisoning someone? That's not a normal family thing. Zero. You paused there for a minute and I was very nervous. I'm suspicious of zero. You're like, well, I have a cousin. <laughs> but that's, it's like, that's not a thing that happens in an everyday family. No, I don't think this was an like everyday family. I said, family. we all have family bits of like, oh, that's this crazy uncle or the silly aunt or the wacky cousin. But well, this was a woman that was unhinged and that everyone kind of wanted out of the family. But what do you do? Yeah. Well, they confronted Dee Dee about the poison and about the way she was raising Gypsy. Refusing to answer for anything, Dee Dee packed up their belongings and moved her and Gypsy to Slidell, Louisiana. Not long after they moved out, Dee Dee's stepmom's health returned to normal. Maybe she was just allergic to Dee Dee. Or maybe she was allergic to the Roundup Weed, weed Killer. Just putting in her spaghetti How could you night. not put Roundup Weed Killer? It's got the easy-to-use nozzle. Yeah. All you do is pull the thing and, and it's... Spray it's, it right in. It's very convenient. But here's the thing. This is very typical of... 
people that have Munchausen syndrome suffer from that. As soon as they start to get questioned, they bolt. Yep. So if a doctor starts questioning them about switch tests doctors. or you switch doctors or you even move out of the state. Mm-hmm. So as soon as her family started to question her, mm-hmm. she she said, peace, I will take us somewhere else where no one is going to suspect So anything. she can isolate. And that's what abusers do is isolate sure. their victims. So. Absolutely. The two were also regulars at the Tulane Medical Center and Children's Hospital of New Orleans. Dee Dee was constantly seeking out specialists to treat the list of ailments for which she claimed her daughter suffered. At her mother's insistence, Gypsy was subjected to countless tests, painful procedures, and unnecessary surgeries, including a muscle biopsy which showed no signs of the MS for which Dee Dee claimed Gypsy suffered, the insertion of tubes in her ears for purported ear infections, and the extraction of her saliva glands to supposedly control her drooling. Gypsy later claimed that her mother would numb her gums before doctor visits with a topical anesthetic to induce the drooling. I retract my prior question. She clearly knew what she was doing. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. She knew. Yeah, absolutely she knows what she's doing. Dee Dee also told the doctors Gypsy suffered from seizures. And while there was no medical proof of this, they went ahead and prescribed her anti-seizure medication, which Dee Dee would regularly administer to Gypsy. A side effect of the medication coupled with the absence of salivary glands, caused all of Gypsy's top teeth to rot, resulting in them being extracted. She's just a monster. Dee Dee is just oh, yeah, a monster. absolutely. This girl is just a pin cushion. She's just doing anything, anything and everything she's, she can she, she can do. Yeah. it's It was her selfish way to navigate through the world the way that she wanted to and receive this attention that she longed for and wasn't getting in other areas of her life. She used her daughter... For everything. Yeah, she, she was, used she, there her. Was, she there was, was an object. There was zero love. Yeah. It was all, if it, she might have thought she loved her, but she did not truly knew, know what love is. To love your own child, when that child is born, you, all you can think about is how to protect them from everything in the world and how you never want to hurt them intentionally or do anything to make them suffer. I cannot imagine the type of fucking monster that would do something like this to their kid. It's an, it's unfathomable. It and really I, is. I look at you and the kind of mom you are that my sister is and that if you, they said we can do this test on your kid and it will hurt 1% or we could do the same test on you that would have the same result and it would hurt 3,000%. What do you want? You would be like, do it to me. Absolutely. Can, Every yeah, time. Without question. Yeah. And then the opposite way, this there, nobody needs any tests here and she's just yeah. put her under. Yeah. Do what you got to do. It's it, poker, sticker. It really is unfathomable, like you said. It's sick. Gypsy had also learned not to speak at doctor's visits or press interviews and instead allow her mother to do all the talking. Dee Dee would always hold Gypsy's hand or have her arms wrapped around her shoulders. If Gypsy was asked a direct question and started to reveal too much about her actual state of health, Dee Dee would squeeze her tightly, warning her to keep her mouth shut. So again, she knew what she was doing. She knows that at any second their cover could be blown. Because at some point she she goes from 7 to 8 to 9. And when you're 12, 13, 14... The questions that they're going to ask you will clearly reveal that you do not have the mental capacity of a seven-year-old. Right. And that's why she would keep her drugged yep. and give her a uh, sleep medication mm-hmm. in the daytime. When people would try to talk to her, she'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So she comes across as maybe not as... She's drowsy, but as, really she sounds like she's developmentally yeah, challenged. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. For Dee Dee's part, she did a fantastic job of convincing everyone her daughter was incredibly ill. The wheelchair, bald head, toothless smile 
oversized glasses, feeding tube, and high-pitched voice all made Gypsy look as young and sick as her mother claimed she was. So let's talk about Gypsy's voice for a minute. If you are interested, listeners, almost all of the footage from the trial, from Nicholas Godijan's trial, the trial at issue. Where Gypsy testifies. Gypsy testifies. Among other, there's tons and tons of interviews. Oh, yeah. She's done Dr. Phil, ABC, lots of interviews. So you can hear for yourself. And then if you watch the act, spot on. Very. Joey King said she, that was one of the main things she wanted to nail down and that the casting agents were looking for when they cast for that role because it is so specific and recognizable immediately. And it was such a part of who she was that it had to be included in it had the to story. Be, and it had to be right. And Joey King nails it. It's people, exactly. People, I read an article where people were wondering, is that what she really sounds like? Go it watch. Is, it is not. That is not at all what she oh, sounds like. Oh, it's not what like. Joey King sounds like, but right. it's what Gypsy Rose sounds yeah, like. Yeah, and she... To maintain that type of uh, consistency with that accent, to, I'm calling it an accent, but voice alteration throughout the filming was very impressive. It's, yeah. And if you watch any of the interviews that Gypsy, the real Gypsy Rose does or any of her testimony, that is how she that talks. That is how she talks. So go take a listen and then you'll understand why we feel like we should address it. Well, many have questioned Gypsy's unusually high-pitched voice even wondering if Joey King, the actress that plays her in the act, sounds like that in real life. That is not King's voice, but one she developed for her role to sound as authentic as Gypsy as possible. Jane Latz, an executive communication coach and president and founder of Corporate Speech Solutions, says that it's possible Gypsy presents with puberphonia, which is a high-pitched voice after birth, and a class of psychogenic voice disorders. Interesting. According to Latz, this happens typically after a traumatic or a stressful life event, or even as a result of difficulties in communication and significant relationships. She also said that it's possible Dee Dee rewarded Gypsy for having a childlike voice, so Gypsy kept it up. That's true, and if she had her hand on her shoulder or on her hand and would squeeze her real tight, Mm -hmm. maybe if she fell out of the voice, it becomes sort of Pavlovian that you think, if I don't speak high, I'm going to get pinched. Exactly. And it's like how, I think it was on the last episode, or maybe Menendez Brothers, where I mentioned how Dr. Drew says the same thing. Oh, correct. A lot of women, when they, if they're sexually abused as a child, that's kind of... If you hear them talk as an adult, they sound like they were the the age they were when they were molested. And it's because this a stressful life event like this happens, which kind of alters your your growth in that area. Yeah, that's true. And I wonder if I mean, I don't wonder. Clearly, there is evidence for having a some sort of I don't want to say like demented, but some sort of damaged sense of self. And how that damaged sense of self then presents itself in vocal tics. Mm. So if someone is maybe insecure about themselves, they present with an inauthentic vocal fry. Or Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Holmes, the founder of Theranos, who eventually Mm -hmm. scammed people out of a bunch of money and is at issue in the HBO documentary, where she talked with this like uh extra deep voice because she wanted to convey a sense of more authority masculine power yeah and she idolized steve jobs and she wanted and so it's this question of your entire core of who you are is shaken and you don't know who you are Mm -hmm. so you can't have an authentic voice and so you're sort of stuck in a role that either is self-imposed or imposed externally Mm -hmm. i don't know brian petty 
a speech pathologist at the Emory Voice Center in Atlanta, said the unusual squeakiness could have been brought on by all the unnecessary surgeries Gypsy underwent. He said it could also just be the way she talks. That's true, too. She's a very small person. She's about five feet tall. And she might just have a high-pitched, some squeaky people, voice. Yeah, some people have high voices. Yeah. Uh, also, who knows if there's some sort of effect of having your salivary glands removed, yeah. if that damages your vocal cords. Or just even all the trauma she underwent. All those surgeries. Still, Dr. Nick Morgan, president of Public Words and author of the book, Can You Hear Me?, has a different theory. Morgan believes Gypsy's voice was definitely fake. But what he can't figure out is if she was doing it intentionally or subconsciously it developed because she thought she was so much younger than she actually was. Morgan leans on the side that it happened unconsciously, given how difficult it would be to knowingly keep that up in a consistent manner. I would love to read, maybe this can you hear me, but I didn't look it up, but I would love to read a book about the connection between psychology and vocal, the, the how your voice sounds. I bet can you hear me could answer some I'm, questions I'll look it up, you. we'll yeah. see. Well, in August of 2005... Hurricane Katrina ripped through Louisiana. I was there. Well, I'm glad that you're here now. It was horrifying. Yeah, it's. I've been in mm, five hurricanes. Oh, yeah, you lived in Florida. Yeah, I'm and, an idiot. I've been in one. <laughs> and, wow, that doesn't make you an idiot. Uh, no, but I'm saying, I'm here going, I was in a hurricane uh, once. Yeah. And you're like, well, I've been uh, through five. I so. don't remember which one it was. I think it was the one after Katrina. Was or it maybe Ivan, after Ike, Rita. It may have been. But I was living in South Florida, and the eye of the hurricane went over where I was living. That happened it when was I was wild. in Baton Rouge. I had to physically hold the front door shut so it wouldn't blow open. We had to put the couch in front of the front door. It was crazy. It that was is crazy. Yeah, trees, huge trees, and everybody's front lawn just ripped up like you, like if you took the edge of your carpet and just pulled it back mm-hmm. in one fell swoop. That's how the yards would be, just a complete yard ripped up in one blanket it was wild these huge giant trees everywhere one didn't have electricity for two weeks two weeks and curfews were imposed because you couldn't drive after dark because oh, there stoplights there's no lights it oh, was, my yeah gosh. it was it was a goddamn free-for-all well i lived in new orleans after hurricane i was there the week of evacuated baton rouge and then i lived there for months after and it really was not the hurricane as much as it was the floods that just yes, really wrecked for sure. everything yeah it's the aftermath is and the cleanup is what just Ugh. kills the city. Yeah. Well, Dee Dee and Gypsy's home in Slidell was destroyed. Or at least this is what Dee Dee claimed. Conveniently for Dee Dee, Gypsy's medical records and birth certificate were also destroyed in the flooding, making it easier to fool doctors about her conditions and her age. And a lot of documents were destroyed. And that was sure. my job after after the hurricane was working at a law firm and having to print documents out and mark them and stuff from boxes that were in a storage mm-hmm. area that were just totally mildew moldy yeah. done washed out so that's not an unreasonable thing to have happened but yeah given her track record pretty sure say? and a lot of i think she it, people maybe were getting suspicious and she saw it as a way out yeah a lot of the information is hard to get a concrete answer because Spoiler alert, Dee Dee is dead. No longer with us. (laughs) And Gypsy doesn't know the truth about a lot of stuff. Yeah, she was kept in the dark. So a lot of it is kind of, we think this is what happened. This might be speculation, but we have reason to believe that this happened. Well, Dee Dee saw this devastation as yet another way to gain attention, sympathy, and a free ride. Using her daughter, Dee Dee was able to get her and Gypsy into a shelter for people with special needs. 
While staying there, one of the doctors on staff suggested to Dee Dee that she move her and Gypsy back to her native Missouri. The following month, they were airlifted to Missouri free of charge. Man, like you said, she sees an opening and she takes it. She takes it. They first moved to Aurora, where they rented a house. But in 2008, upon hearing how Gypsy and Dee Dee's home was destroyed by Hurricane Katrina, Habitat for Humanity built them a brand new home in Springfield, complete with a wheelchair ramp and hot tub. It was painted bright pink. Yeah, if you watch the act, man, that's oh, just, that house is pink. It's And it's to the T what yes. it looked like in real life. Yeah, you said that they got the blueprints. Yes. They took to crime steal. scene photos. To, so everything even inside is exactly how it was. All their piles of junk and where the furniture was laid out is exactly how it was. The frost on the windows. She yeah. put up uh, plastic on the windows. It's exactly. And you when you first, I, I didn't know that when I first started watching the show. And then <laughs> about eh, five or six episodes in, I was just reading articles. And I saw that because I thought, man, that is a wild ass looking house. Mm-hmm. It's that's where they live. That's exactly what it's much like the all the costume choices. I thought, man, the producers kind of overdid it. Oh, yeah. They took photos Mm -hmm. and they dressed them exactly like. Yeah, they had an interesting aesthetic. Well, I think Dee Dee dressed Gypsy like that to make her look super young. Absolutely. And she dressed like that to appear as a unfortunate, kind hearted simple woman that you know she looked like a kindergarten teacher yeah and and never anything fancy no it was a lot of too big a clothes for gypsy that looked like little girl clothes and you know always pink or bright colors and she was bald but she would put you know like you do to a baby put a big bow on their head Mm -hmm. she did that she also had these huge oversized glasses which made her face look even smaller than it really was yeah and then Dee Dee would wear jumpers. She had a, a lot, lot of, of jumpers, a lot of long sleeve shirts with, you know, like the denim d- sleeveless denim dress over it. It's how I imagine my kindergarten teacher yep. dressed. Yeah. So, yeah, but you're right. She dressed her like that to, again, appear much younger than she was mm-hmm. and to appear like mild mannered and sweet. Dee Dee and Gypsy's story was heartbreaking and quickly made its way across various news outlets. A terminally ill and disabled young girl cared for by her struggling single mother. To the world, they only had each other. It was no surprise that people wanted to help any way they could, and Dee Dee was never one to deny their generosity. They were given free flights to visit out-of-state doctors, stays in Ronald McDonald houses, and the Make-A-Wish Foundation, an incredible nonprofit organization that grants wishes to children with life-threatening medical conditions, gave them multiple trips to Disney World and backstage passes to a Miranda Lambert concert. And Miranda Lambert gave them cash. Yep. And other celebrities gave them cash. And strangers gave them cash. It's very upsetting for obvious reasons. But also, think of the children that really do need a make-a-wish wish granted. That didn't get their wish. Yes. Because she was taking a spot. Because they were taking multiple trips to Disney World on their dime and stuff that could have gone to a kid that really needed it that is a fabulous organization absolutely and just all the people that were willing to donate they could have donated elsewhere absolutely even strangers would send money to Dee Dee to help with Gypsy's mounting medical bills and neighbors were always eager to help ease their burdens Dee Dee was also still receiving Rod's monthly child support checks for $1,200 which is nothing to sneeze at. Well, and that's what Rod said. He did, he, no matter what, paid the child support, yeah. even if it meant he had to go without stuff. 
That's what a so dad does. So you have does. one parent who has n- virtually almost no contact with the child mm-hmm. who's actually working really hard mm-hmm. to care for her. And you have the other one who's actively sucking the life out of this kid. Yeah. And basically telling Gypsy, you know, your dad doesn't love and you. And instead of having a real job, is just living off the kindness of others and the state. The the charitable teat of our nation. <laughs> if you will. Well, Dee Dee told neighbors Rod was an abusive drug addict that had left her and Gypsy because he couldn't cope with her physical and mental conditions. On the contrary, Rod desperately wanted to have a relationship with Gypsy, but Dee Dee wouldn't allow it. When he and his new wife, who I believe is named Christy, yep, Christy, would make plans to visit Springfield, Dee Dee would always change the plans last minute, preventing him from seeing his daughter. That's what Christy said. She and Rod would both call Dee Dee all the time, especially if they are talking to her one day. You know, they're talking to her on the first of the month. And Dee Dee says, oh, Gypsy has an appointment on the 15th. Christy said, no matter what, we would call on the 14th the night before. We would call that day. They were really trying to be as involved as they could mm-hmm. across as far, as far away as they were. They were super concerned because they thought... Gypsy had, was terminally ill and had all these things. And that's wrong what with Dee her. would say. Well, she's not even going to live that long. So yeah, and they would get super worried, and they'd say, "Okay, we'll come up in two weeks." And Dee would say, "Oh yeah, come up. We'll have you. It's no big deal." And Christy said, without fail, she would get a call twelve to twenty four hours before they were supposed to leave and say, "Oh, she's just not feeling good. You yeah. just really can't come yeah. up you can't, because if they she had, can't bother her." You run the risk of maybe she says something. She to, gets up out that dad. wheelchair. Yeah. Also, it's a total sense of control. She wants to be the only isolation. Parent. And- yeah. She wants to be the one and only parent that Gypsy has and can't live without. Correct. Literally can't live without. Yeah. Rod would also send Gypsy gifts and call her on the phone. He recalls that one time when he called Gypsy on her 18th birthday, Dee Dee told him not to mention Gypsy's age to her because she thought she was 14. This is where it starts to get sticky when she's an adult. Yeah. For years, Dee Dee had been lying about Gypsy's medical conditions, but she had also been lying about Gypsy's age. Not even Gypsy knew how old she really was. In 2001, when Dee Dee claimed Gypsy was eight, she took her to a Special Olympics event where she was named the honorary queen of the Crew of Mid-City Parade, a child-oriented parade held during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. In 2007, when Gypsy was 16, the Olay Foundation, an organization which advocates for the rights of feeding tube recipients, named Gypsy their Child of the Year, believing she was much younger than she actually was. Well, you win these organizations. You don't say, we're going to need to see her birth certificate. No. She just presented as so young, they just believed it. Also, she had a fake birth certificate that she had doctored to make it look like she had been born in 95 as opposed to 91. God. Yeah. This whole, the, Can you ev- imagine not knowing? That is a whole other form of abuse. To like, That's like time deprivation, like not knowing how old you are. True. That's, and, that's so... Imagine like everything, once you find out how old you were, everything is altered. To be fair, I don't know how old I am. Ever. That's true. You constantly refer to yourself as 33 or 34. Or I'll go, 32. I'm 30. I'm like, I'm 30. Who's to say this? Or I'll go, you know, I'm 33. It makes sense. I'm, I'm 32. <laughs> Yeah. But I can never seem to remember. I also, um, for an entire year, thought that I was 38 when I was really 39 and was quite surprised when I realized mm, I'm turning 40 this year. I'm so, I'm so sorry that happened. You got <laughs> I, time deprivation. I you know did not like. even know. The reason I found out is because a good friend of mine who is just a few months older than me, I got the invitation to her 40th birthday. And I thought to myself... Why is she throwing her 40th birthday a year early? 
That's what you thought. And then, That's what you thought. And then Great. it was like that scene at the end of Usual Suspects when all of a sudden everything starts to click for Chaz Palm and Terry and it's like Oh, Kevin Spacey's guys are so safe. And it all, all right, started. Spoiler alert. No yeah, funny. well, I think the, it's the too late. Time, time limit has run out on that one. But everything started to click. And I realized, oh, I'm turning 40 this year. Oh, God. I immediately called Tommy. He was at work. I said, how old am I? And he goes, 39. Well, nobody told me this. I was legitimately mad that I didn't know. I then called my mom. How old am I? Um, 39, about to be 40. Oh, my God. Why didn't anybody tell me this? You've all ruined my life. And my mom was said, well, at least you didn't have to worry about it for a year. And I'm like, but I've lost an entire year of my life. But she's probably right. She's I wasn't obsessing over it. That's my mom. I wasn't I obsessing it. over it for uh, nine months about what I was going to do. I just had three months to figure it out. Oh, real God. Quick. Yeah. How quick? What did you do with your last three months? Oh, same old, I, yeah. Same same shit that I would have done had I known. Yeah, <laughs> nothing nothing really changed. Yeah, honestly, had a fun fortieth birthday though. Yeah, well, Munchausen syndrome by proxy can be hard to diagnose. Often, when doctors become suspicious of the mother's or caretaker's behavior and begin to question the abuser about the victim's medical history, the abuser will switch doctors and hospitals, or even move to a new city or state where no one knows them. That's the way to we, keep them. I saw this several times with her. Bernardo Flasterstein. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it also sounds like a character in a children's book, like the Bernstein Bears or something. Yeah, like the amazing Dr. Flasterstein, <laughs> yeah. and it teaches kids about their bodies. Yes. Well, he is a pediatric neurologist who saw Gypsy in Springfield and became suspicious of Dee Dee's claims that Gypsy had been diagnosed with MS when he found no abnormalities in Gypsy's MRIs or blood tests. He also saw no reason why Gypsy couldn't walk and told Dee Dee this at one of their appointments. He just dumps her out of her wheelchair. No, I don't think he did that. <laughs> like but on I, Big Lebowski. I, yeah, like the Big Lebowski. He can walk. But I, I just wonder this for this doctor, how, how do you even broach that subject? Well, he didn't really. Yeah. Flasterstein proceeded to call Gypsy's doctors who had treated her in New Orleans, where he learned that the muscle biopsy performed there had also come back negative. This confirmed that Dee Dee had not only lied to him about Gypsy's diagnosis, but also about her medical records being destroyed during Hurricane Katrina. Oh, yeah, they could reference them yes. on the phone. Despite his feeling that he was dealing with a Munchausen syndrome by proxy case, Flasterstein did not report it to social services. The doctors he had spoke with in New Orleans told him to treat Dee Dee and Gypsy with, quote, golden gloves. Golden gloves are what boxers wear. That's a very unfortunate <laughs> instruction. Well, maybe that's what she needed. He's like, give her the old golden gloves. <laughs> that's kid. Usually they say kid usually gloves. Usually they say kid gloves. Is it kid gloves? Like the gloves of a child? It's kid gloves like a baby goat. I think what you touch a baby goat with, you got to wear gloves. I, I haven't there's, been. There's, oh God! There's some, there's some hair product line that has a product called Kid Gloves, and there's a picture of a goat oh. on it. With, but that might just be marketing. Well, it says I guess how you would handle someone, a child. You ha handle a child with kid gloves, like you put on the kid gloves to handle a kid. Apparently, it means it was made of gloves made from the skin of a young goat. Oh, I, I guess I was yeah, half right. You're right, it makes sense. And you ha handle something delicately as if you were wearing such nice gloves. Okay, well they there were, you go. Oh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> She's reading. <laughs> 
but, shouldn't have piffed anything. Yeah, it says there were clearly, these were the finest gloves. And okay. They were not golden. There you go. They were not golden. Interesting. Last week, we learned another turn of phrase. Oh, screw, screw in the, the pooch. pooch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm man. still sad these aren't tiny children's gloves. <laughs> well, they could be. I mean, Gypsy would have needed tiny little children's because gloves. Because if it was a child's glove, you'd have to be careful because they would be smaller than an adult glove. Why would you have to be careful? Because they're smaller. They tear easier. <laughs> well, they're still made from the same material. They're just smaller. Baby, baby goat material. <laughs> and, and, yeah, they're made from baby goats. If you had an adult goat glove on, then you wouldn't have to That's be as careful. That's sick. Well, Can if, you imagine someone wearing a baby goat skin on their hands? I mean, we eat them. I guess I've never tried it. I have had cabrito, which is goat. Yeah. Not a fan. Eh, it was no, all right. It's, it's it was a little kinda, oily. Kind of, Kind of greasy, yeah. Blasterstein also didn't report it because he thought the authorities wouldn't believe him. Not surprisingly, Dee Dee soon stopped taking Gypsy to see him. That's the line you walk as a doctor treating one of these cases. A lot of, of people criticized him because he, they say, ethically and morally and even legally, he should have reported this to CPS. But again, a lot of times it's so hard to diagnose and like your friend said you can't do really anything until they ask for invasive point. procedures well in 2009 an anonymous call was made to the springfield police department to let them know Dee Dee had been using various aliases for her and gypsy as well as a myriad of birth dates the caller also expressed concern about gypsy and said that she may not be as sick as her mother was claiming. Interesting. I don't think we've ever found out who this call is from. In the act, they allude to the fact that it was the doctor. Yeah. But that may have just been poetic license. Officers performed a wellness check, and when Dee Dee told them she used misinformation as a safety tactic to prevent her abusive ex-husband from finding her in Gypsy, they believed her. They also stated that it appeared that Gypsy was mentally handicapped and the case was closed. And on the act, they at least indicate that Dee Dee, it was one of the situations where Dee Dee is overly medicated yes, gypsy. Yes, she gave her a bunch of sleeping pills right when she saw the woman pull up, and she was super loopy when she talked to her. Yeah, it's an interesting situation where she's, again, not even a victim of something, but taking it and making her uh, falsely saying that she's a victim of domestic violence. When, again, there are actual people out oh, there yeah. who are victims of domestic violence. Yeah, she was a terrible, horrible person. I also wanted to touch on something that I thought of a second ago. A lot of people wondered if just Gypsy was capable of walking and knew that she was suffering from all this abuse, why she didn't just stand up in public and, and walk and blow the facade. And Gypsy would be like, a miracle, it was the Lord. <laughs> and Gypsy said in an interview that she, since the time she was a baby, had been mentally and emotionally and physically abused by this woman, and it just wasn't that easy to do that. Her mom had Why told her... Why doesn't a person that's abused just leave? Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's such a f stupid question. Her mom had told her that she... No one would believe her, that she was mentally unstable, and she thought she had no one. If she had done something like that, she also knew her mother would fly off the fucking handle and she would pay the price for it. True. But yeah, it's just exactly like you said. It's someone as dumb as saying, why didn't the wife just leave if she was getting hit all the time? Yeah, it's not Why that don't easy. you leave a normal relationship you're not happy in? And then you think of all those reasons and then add on the fact that you're getting the shit beat out of you. And then maybe you can come to terms with why they wouldn't leave. Yeah, exactly. And in this case, she was having some physical abuse as well. Oh, yeah. Well, by 2010, 
Gypsy was now 19 years old, although most believed she was only 14. However, Gypsy had found her birth certificate among Dee Dee's things and realized her mother had been lying to her all her life. Can you imagine? It, it's no. It's unfathomable. It's crazy. I keep saying that, but it's 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 just would be. It's unfathomable. It's unfathomable. That's my Doctor Dr. Phil. Phil. I thought that was a me impression. I was like, all right, that's, well, that's, that's targeted. you doing Doctor Phil. Yeah, he just the whole time would say her life was stolen, taken away, removed, replaced, well, rescinded. He's not wrong. <laughs> But he's just an idiot. He's a BFI if there ever was. <laughs> he one. was, uh, for, I told you, he was first discovered on Kid Craddock in the morning when Dr. Phil would do call ins to the Kid Craddock show and people would call in and ask Rest questions. In peace, Kid Craddock. He was discovered on the Kid Craddock show, much like myself. <laughs> Were you discovered there? I had my first radio appearance there. <laughs> Your first of many. <laughs> well, as Gypsy grew older, so did her desire to become independent, as well as her interest in the opposite sex. So imagine being 19 years old. You've never experienced even holding hands with a boy. You're describing my life. <laughs> I am not. Replace it with 18 years old. You, go ahead. You just, all you think about as a normal 19-year-old girl would, woman, is what would that be like? What would it be like to kiss somebody? On the on the act, they show her so sadly Googling uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, and just looking at images of like people holding how to hands, kiss, how to kiss, or even just googling girlfriends, like friends and, and friends, and seeing pictures of she types in, just hanging out. Like that's how she. It was the saddest. Oh, it's very sad. She types in best friends and looks at stock photos. Yeah, and it's the saddest. Yeah, thing. because she has no idea. She just sees how her to neighbor. relate to that at all. Yeah, yeah. She loves her neighbor, and her neighbor is super super nice to her, which was. One of the saving graces of this. Definitely. But, you know, that's a very normal urge to have when you're 14, but much less when you're 19. Yeah. yeah. Once her mother went to bed at night, Gypsy would sneak onto the computer and talk to men she met through online dating services and Facebook. One night, Gypsy showed up at one of her neighbor's houses, standing on her own two feet and begging to be driven to the hospital. She said a man in which she was romantically interested had been in an accident and she needed to go be with him. Once at the hospital, Gypsy produced her birth certificate to prove she was of legal age and not being taken advantage of by an older man, as many of the concerned staff believed. The man was eventually discharged and they went back to his house. Can you imagine having to bring a birth certificate around with you? No. I, mean, I also can't, I d couldn't find anything, but when she shows up at this neighbor's house and she's just walking around, well, hello. Yeah, wouldn't the neighbor just say, "What is this a miracle? Did the good Lord or do this?" Or when she went into the hospital, those people know who she Surely. is. Surely, how are they? I mean, on the, on the act, and again, why it is very true to fact. It says clearly it's based on actual events, so you don't know how much is factual. But when she gets to the hospital in this scene, she's sneaking around, so she's kind yeah. of. But like, if she's producing her, I birth think she's wearing a wig too. She's wearing a wig. If she's producing a birth certificate, someone's stopping to ask her what's going on. Surely. So at that point, I'm like, how did no one say to Dee Dee, what, explain yourself? At the end of the day, Dee Dee was an abuser, but the system ultimately also failed Gypsy. That's the fact really that point. it wasn't, at any point, she wasn't found out or taken to authorities that yeah. could help her. Yeah. Yes. And Gypsy later said that really, really bothered her in hindsight that... So many doctors could have spoken out on her behalf and saved her, and not one did. Yeah, the trying to build that insurance company. Well, well, they didn't have insurance out of her. 
Bill and uh, Medicare or Medicaid. Sorry. Four hours later, Dee Dee managed to track down Gypsy at the man's house, where she produced her own copy of Gypsy's birth certificate, claiming she was underage. And again, she's carrying the thing around, too. The fake one. Yeah. Once she drugged Gypsy back home, Dee Dee smashed the girl's laptop and cell phone to bits with a hammer and told her if she ever tried to leave again, she would do the same thing to her fingers. So there you go. That's yet another situation where... She's not going to just go, you know what? I'll fight you because Dee Dee outweighed her by a lot. Oh, yeah. And she just was a very controlling presence in her life. Mm-hmm. And you look at this, your only key to freedom just got smashed away from you. Yeah. And she did depend on her for, oh, for pretty much everything. Food, money, yeah. shelter. Yeah. Dee Dee also tied Gypsy up to the bed for two weeks. Gypsy later testified she was subjected to hitting, punching, and starvation when she disobeyed her mother. I'm sure. She, yeah. And I think there's no, uh, I don't think there's any evidence to the contrary. Oh, no. I don't think it's a far stretch to say that a person would have your kids, have their kids' salivary glands unnecessarily removed, would slap them around, too. Yeah. You know? I think that's a I don't fair think assumption. Yeah. Gypsy and Dee Dee regularly attended comic conventions. Gypsy loved to dress up especially as Cinderella and other Disney princesses, and felt like the conventions were places where she was genuinely accepted for who she was. It was at one of these conventions in 2011 where she tried again to make contact with the man she had met online. When Dee Dee found Gypsy, she was alone in a hotel room with the man. Again, Dee Dee produced the fake birth certificate and told the man Gypsy was underage and that if he ever tried to contact her again, she would go to the police. And again, for Gypsy, this is probably a great feeling. You're dressed up as someone else. Mm-hmm. You're feeling like you're living your own life. And then here comes Wrecking Ball Dee Dee in and just snatching everything away. Mm-hmm. Despite her mother's abuse and threats, Gypsy continued to use the Internet once Dee Dee had gone to bed. She reportedly had five different secret Facebook accounts, as well as an account on ChristianDatingForFree.com. It was on this site in 2012 that she met a man named Nicholas Godijon. My question is, I at no point in the act or in any of the research I've done, and you can tell me if in the, the articles and things and documentaries you've seen, did there was there any indication that they were religious? No. I just wonder why she chose this if she thought maybe it was safer. Well, in the act, the the, the, neighbor, the neighbor suggested her friend that's the young girl that's her neighbor that is probably the same age as her but thinks she's much older than her is talking about a boy she's met on this service. And Gypsy says, can you show me on your phone? I'd love to see this site. And she pulls it up. And then later that night, she registers for it. So I think it was probably something she heard about. Maybe so. And, and she she, maybe- does, she doesn't know any of the difference no. between any of them and i probably doesn't even care i, I don't think so i don't i, I just was curious yeah. and it makes sense that it was a there's also from the a wonderful documentary that hbo did called mommy dead and dearest that is not just a docudrama it's actual interviews with gypsy and nicholas Dee's family there's a lot of footage of them and um I don't remember if it said on that either, but yeah, it just seemed like a oddly specific, but it makes sense that that was one that she had heard of yeah. from the neighbor. Maybe I'll try that site. <laughs> Let me not <know> guess. <laughs> Nick was a disturbed young man. He had once been arrested for indecent exposure for masturbating at a McDonald's while watching porn on his phone and eating French fries. That's one way to get banned well, from a McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> 
was one of many. They said he was in the McDonald's for nine hours. Yeah, just jerking it. With I'm not going to begrudge someone who wants to touch themselves and eat French fries. Frankly, that sounds lovely. <laughs> However, in a public place for nine hours. And when the, he was confronted, he said, I'm just scratching myself for nine hours, okay? I have an itch. I'm scratching myself. You don't myself. know what it's like. The but French also, fries help. The French fries, all that grease probably made for a nice little natural you know lubricant. He <laughs> could go for nine hours. Also, but imagine he was. If you're tugging your pud for nine hours, hours, you're doing something wrong. My God, it'd fall off. <laughs> At the very least, you're gonna have a lot of chafing, and your hands will turn the hairy. Yes, yeah, your and you'll go blind, according you... to your grandmother. Yes. Nick also had a history of mental illness, which doctors had diagnosed as both dissociative identity disorder and autism. Well, it it indicates that in the act, at least, that she had come across some other people on the site. And then he and she just happened to get along really well, and it sort of goes from there. But I just look at this situation when they're meeting as such a case of you just ask yourself, is it fate? Is Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. of all? What if she hadn't met him? The billions of people that you met on there, or would she have just met man after man after man until she found one that would do her bidding? And just luckily for her, she met one fairly quickly. I think that is the The one I would go with. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think it could have been anybody that was willing to do that. I think it could have been anybody that showed her the attention she craved and the, you know, sexual attention she craved. And then as the relationship developed, this was kind of a nice little cherry on top that he would be willing to do something like this. I just, yeah, I wonder if she would have met someone who said, you know, they fall in love and she said, my mom is forcing me to be in a wheelchair and I'm not. I'm an adult. Can you come help me? And he comes and takes her from the house and lets Dee Dee fight it out or in court. Or calls the police. Calls the police. I think that's what most people you would do. You know what? Show up with the cops and yeah. say, look, she can actually walk. And I think, too, in the act, at least, and probably in real life, Dee Dee told Gypsy, you're an adult now and you've been defrauding people, too. We'll oh, yeah. both go to jail. Yes, yes. She did use that as a threat against her that... You're just as liable for this as me now. Yeah. And if something happens to me, it's going to happen to you, too. We're all going to go to jail. Well, despite knowing all these things about Nick, he and Gypsy's online relationship grew. What had started as just flirting soon developed into acting out BDSM fantasies via text and FaceTiming each other while they masturbated, with Gypsy often dressed up in lingerie or erotic costumes. I'm not here to kink shame anybody. If you're into any number of things. I think that's great. I just, uh, it's just very unfortunate for her that she never, that her interaction with sex and intimacy yeah. was through a computer screen via text and in a very specified area of sexual She went from zero to a hundred real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes sometimes, you know, some years to work up to stuff like that. <laughs> and he just, uh, and so in your head, you're, you know, you say, oh, well, this must be normal. He's a right. guy and he likes it. So, And it's not that it's abnormal, but for a young girl who's never had any experience It's ever, unusual. It's unusual. It's not, it's not typical. I won't say it's abnormal. Yeah, I don't think it's abnormal. Like be said, into what you want to be into as long as it's not harming said, anybody. I'm not trying to kink shame anybody. People are into what they're into. Yeah. Yours truly is into what she's into. You're into what you're into. You know, we all have our things. We're but into some weird shit, you, know, you guys. fucking know. <laughs> uh, but I think it's probably harmful for someone who has zero sexual experience yeah. to immediately be interest, introduced to violence in connection and with And he sex. took advantage of that, knowing oh, sure. she was 
complete virgin in all all senses of the word with this and kind of molded her into what he wanted her to be as far as a sexual partner. She also later said in court she was not into this stuff. It was just doing it because he was. And she lived her life as her mother squeezed her hand and forced her to say what she thought Gypsy wanted right what gypsy thought yes. her mom oh, she wanted was a people pleaser 100 she, she she finds a guy that gives her attention and he wants her to do wear this wig dance this way mm-hmm. do this she just would do it yeah even if she didn't really genuinely exactly. want to she's so, been doing it her whole life why stop now and again you've you've got an important milestone in someone's life that's just ripped away from them oh uh, yeah yes i so many milestones were ripped away from her over the years the couple's relationship became more serious gypsy even confided in a neighbor friend that they had plans to elope and that she had already picked out the names for their future children. And she also just thought everything was a big fantasy, a big Disney movie. She lived in a Disney world. Yeah. A Disney she, movie. She yeah. just thought the prince will come and save me and we'll fall happily ever after and we'll have two kids yeah. and it'll be great. Yeah. In 2015, Gypsy concocted a plan for Nick to casually meet her mother. They also had not met each other up until this Correct. Dee Dee had told Gypsy before that she would never be allowed to date or get married. But Gypsy thought if she could arrange the perfect meeting where Nick gave off a stellar first impression, Dee Dee might change her mind. Again, she's she's not, I don't want to say thinking rationally because she doesn't have a concept of what thinking rationally or logically really is because How? her brain has been so warped. But this is a very childlike fantasy world way to think about things. How does the prince and Cinderella meet? They see each other from yes. across the ball. How does Eric and Ariel meet? They, you know, he sees yes. her from the side of the boat. Like, Give me that fish tail. <laughs> Gypsy paid for Nick to take a bus from where he lived in Big Bend, Wisconsin, to Springfield. The plan was for the two to casually bump into each other at the movie theater where Gypsy and Dee Dee would be seeing Cinderella. Gypsy thought if her mother believed the first time they met was when she was present, she would warm to Nick and allow the relationship. Gypsy was also dressed as Cinderella, as she was wont to do, go out in in a giant blonde wig and the blue dress and everything. Tiara. And she wanted Nick to dress up, too. So they would both, again, it was just this fantasy idea. She had him put suits. And if you want to watch the act, I don't think we're spoiling anything. This is one of the cringiest things I've ever seen on yeah. television, and it is so well performed. Yeah, it's very it's the the cuts, very cringy. the way that it's cut together, and their faces and their act. It's just yeah, it's very I cannot well recommend this show. Yeah, enough. really go go binge it immediately. Nick later claimed that when they saw each other at the theater, Gypsy led him to a bathroom once Dee Dee wasn't around, where they had sex. It's not so unfortunate to lose your virginity. In a movie theater bathroom? In a movie theater bathroom. Yeah, do in the back of a car like most people. (laughs) Gypsy would later claim that meeting him in person was a disappointment and that she didn't feel the same attraction to him that she did online. She also said that she found him, quote, creepy. Well, if the guy on television's act is any indication, he is creepy as hell. He does a great job. He haunts your dreams. Yeah, I mean... Nightmares. He haunts your nightmares. He definitely is creepy, and I think it says... A lot about her that even as brainwashed as she was, she could still recognize that someone was super fucking weird yeah. and probably unhealthy for her. Definitely. And he I think he didn't know how to act and behave and interact in person. Right. I mean, he and to say he's creepy is not a comment on his mental health state. He was no. just he looked like a creepy person. Yeah. And I think it was his 
he had a fixation on her too. Yeah. Because she was a person that was giving him attention. Yes. I yeah, mean, I don't he, think it's, I don't think we're, it's not, correlation is not causation here. It's not, right. he had these mental health issues and therefore he was creepy. I think he as a person both simultaneously suffered from these issues and then just also was, by all accounts, a creep. Well, and especially just fixated on her. Yeah. In yeah. A, an unhealthy way. Yes. Well, despite all this, the two continued their online relationship once Nick arrived back in Wisconsin and soon began to develop a plan to kill Dee Dee. Yeah, this was pretty damning, all the texting of the plan. Yeah. The plan is in motion. I can't wait for the plan. And you're like, all right, stop. Let's stop. Say it and forget it. Write it and regret it, you oh, guys. The stop. lawyer's creed. Stop texting the crime that you're about to do. Gypsy had long ago confided in Nick about the years of abuse she had endured at the hands of her mother and all the lies Dee Dee had told. She told him she was a prisoner and needed her Prince Charming to rescue her. You go back to that fantasy. Mm-hmm. On June 8, 2015, Nick Godijan once again took a bus to Springfield, Missouri. My question is, man, that's true love if you'll repeatedly take a bus across the country for someone. Dude, I... Don't even want to take a bus down the street. No. Let alone across the freaking country. Repeatedly. Well, he had no other way to get there. I mean, it's true. Well, when he did get there, this time his intentions were much different. For the past year, he and Gypsy had worked out over text how the murder of her mother was to go down, and the plan was about to be put into action. For the next two days, Nick stayed at a local motel, awaiting Gypsy's text that it was time. On the evening of June 10th, Gypsy waited for Dee Dee to fall asleep and then texted Nick to come over. When he arrived, she quietly let him into her home, where she equipped him with a pair of gloves, duct tape, and a knife she had stolen from Walmart. She then shut herself in the bathroom and covered her ears so she wouldn't hear her mother's screams as she was being stabbed to death. This shows just an incredible amount of premeditation. Oh, my gosh. Incred- a year's worth, for Christ's sake. Incredible amount. It's a first-degree homicide. Nick then crept into the bedroom where Dee Dee lay sleeping on her stomach and stabbed her 17 times. The first plunge of the serrated knife cut straight to the bone. The second sliced straight to her neck. And the third punctured her lungs. I assume the rest were just... Overkill. Overkill. As Dee Dee lay dead in a pool of her own blood, Nick attempted to clean up the trail of blood from the bedroom to the kitchen with some paper towels that he then threw away in the trash can. According to Dr. Phil, who discusses the murder of Dee Dee on his new podcast, This is an indication of a scatterbrained killer. Shockingly, Gypsy and Nick then had sex in Gypsy's bedroom before taking $4,000 in cash that Dee Dee had been stockpiling from Rod's child support checks. I mean... Wow. Yikes. There's this I think there I think she is disassociating from herself at this point. I think so. In in being in the bathroom and covering her ears, I bet there's a snap that sort of happens. There's also because she heard this didn't happen. This didn't really happen. I wasn't there, I didn't see it. They closed the bedroom door. Yeah. There's nothing back there. And I wonder too. Well, I don't wonder. I was going to say the most disturbing thing, I think, it's horrifying that they planned the murder and went through with it. But then the time they spend in the house, which is something like four hours mm-hmm. after it's done, after it's done, having sex, cleaning up, getting things taking, together to leave, packing your bag, getting the money, yeah, setting the loose, the guinea You're pigs. You're in there. Yeah. 
she had been given, at least in the act, her mom had given her some guinea pigs one year for her birthday. She's like, be free, little guinea pigs. <laughs> and she just let loose in the... <laughs> Out and you know, because guinea pigs will survive oh, for yeah. maybe two minutes out of the wild. There's no way. But she couldn't take them with her. Well, the two then took a cab, sans guinea pigs, to a motel outside of Springfield, where they stayed for a few days, awaiting the departure of their bus back to Big Bend, where they planned to stay at Nick's mom's house. To avoid being caught with the murder weapon, Gypsy had the idea to mail the knife, along with the bloody gloves, to themselves at Nick's house. The grizzly package arrived shortly after they did. The problem that's, that's is some balls right there. This kid has never seen an episode of Law and Order. Yeah, SVU. yeah. She doesn't even understand. She said in 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 court, well, people mail knives through the internet all the time. They buy them online. I didn't think anything anybody would think anything of it. And she had never been on a bus before, and she assumed there would be a metal detector before you got on the bus. Yeah, no, she could have just taken it with her. There, nobody would have known. Another reason. Don't ride public buses. <laughs> True, because there could be a murder weapon on the bus with you. I mean, ride them if you have to. There's no shame in that. I've rode the bus all the time in Chicago, and I had a great time. I miss. I do miss taking public transit. I was talking about the long-term oh, buses. Oh, the Greyhound bus, yeah. people are taking dumps on them. Yeah. If you're on a good, solid city bus, hopefully. You can't take a dump on a bus. I can take, I've taken a dump on a bus. Really? I thought you couldn't. I did, actually, very recently in New Orleans. I took a dump on a bus. But was it like bus. a Greyhound bus? It was like a charter bus. Because they always say you can't take dumps on tour buses like bands can't. Because I mean, they because of the plumbing, so they have to stop and shit somewhere else. Well, I, Hey, my, if you're in a band, let us know if that's true. My regards to the charter bus I defiled. I think you just laid a Cleveland steamer <laughs> in, in their uh, bathroom for someone to deal with. Well, I mean, I had to, but my question is, what are you going to do on a long distance trip? If you got to go there, they make stops, but they're not going to, what if it's an emergency? Sometimes I got to go and I got to go. Then you pull in and out, (laughs) pull an Albertson's parking lot. (laughs) I'll tell you, that's why you don't take long distance buses. (laughs) Exactly. Like I said, if all goes well on a city bus, no one's pooping. Right. In my experience. Or they just do it in a seat. God. (laughs) Like, rest in peace. The... Louis, but that episode of Louis where someone had diarrhea at all in the <laughs> seat, and he takes off his shirt and soaks it up. There's an inordinate amount of diarrhea in that show. <laughs> yeah, really when that is. little kid, he goes in to look at him, he's like, I diarrhea at the bathtub. Oh, that's one. I think that That every- scene is so fucking funny. I, it, I hate Louis C.K. for a lot of reasons. One of them is I can no longer like him. Yeah, I hate him for what he's done. Yeah. On multiple levels to everyone, but that show, man, there's a lot of diarrhea in it. On June 13th, Nick and Gypsy arrived in Wisconsin. In a later interview, Gypsy said it never crossed her mind that they would get caught and that her plan was just to live at Nick's place indefinitely. She knew that people went missing all the time, and she believed she would just live the rest of her life as an undiscovered missing person. She has no sense of reality. Well, I think so, and I think maybe she didn't realize how well-known they were. In Springfield. Possibly. As the realization of what they had done began to sink in, Gypsy began to feel guilty that her mother's dead body was laying in the house completely undiscovered. In another not well thought out plan, Gypsy told Nick to post a message to the Facebook account that she and Dee Dee shared that would get people's attention, possibly leading someone to go to the house and discover her body. On June 14th, Nick posted, That bitch is dead. At no point has either of them seen a television show, apparently, with, like, how computers work. No, Nick told her 
After she sent it, you turned off the location, right? And Even if you didn't turn didn't, off the location, they could still... They can track it with the IP address. Well, subpoena Facebook. Also, I want to let everyone know, this Facebook account is still active. Yeah, it's still there. I went to it yesterday and read all 167 comments that are on this post. Comments have been disabled, and I don't think you can share it anymore, but it's been shared 63,000 times. Why which would you is share that? very upsetting. In its own right. Why would you share that? But reading the comments is a roller coaster because it's in, imagine it happening in real time. Oh, so you saw it when they said, what's wrong, Didi? Oh, yeah. They're all there. You can read them all. People saying, has anyone checked on them? Somebody go over there. I'm just down the street. I'm going over there right now. Okay, I'm here. The police are about to show up. Oh, my God, their car's here. I can't believe, I met them last month in Florida at a convention. I hope nothing's wrong. They're the sweetest couple. And then it slowly graduates where or escalates where she says well i hate to tell everyone this but dd is dead we found her body gypsy's been arrested like it i mean it all unravels on this facebook that's wild terrified and shocked friends and neighbors immediately began to comment on the ominous post people were heartbroken that something tragic may have happened to the sweet and loving mother-daughter duo however gypsy wasn't convinced the post was direct enough to get people to go over to the house 17 minutes after the first post, she posted again. I fucking slashed that pig and raped her sweet daughter. Their scream was so fucking loud. LOL. Yeah. So in the act, they show them composing this post saying, what what would a person that had a real killer that had broken in and done this do? Not and, post on Facebook. And they and their warped sense of reality thought this was the best way to get someone to go over there the facebook community was now in full panic mode was this some hacker's sick joke or had the unthinkable happened several friends went to the house to check on Dee and gypsy when they saw that Dee's car was still in the driveway they feared the worst and called 911 when the police arrived they had to wait on a search warrant before they were able to enter the house but allowed a neighbor to climb in through an unlocked window where Gypsy's wheelchair and oxygen tank remained undisturbed. I just don't understand the police telling... I mean, I get it because anything the police would find in the search then couldn't be used in a crime, but why would they let her in, period? Maybe just to see, can this be solved really quickly and we don't need to go through the trouble of getting a search warrant? Maybe they're just in there and... In touch and shit. Yeah, I mean, it's not the smartest thing the police have ever done. But as we've seen in some of these cases, they a lot of the times they don't do well, smart I mean, things. It just I, these people are well known. We know them. Let us in their house. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they were making special special exceptions. Right. News stations quickly picked up the story, asking for anyone that might have information on the missing mom and daughter to come forward. They explained how Gypsy had severe medical issues and was most likely in dire need of help and severe danger. When police finally searched the house. They discovered what no one expected. Didi's lifeless body lying face down on her bed in a pool of dried blood. But Gypsy was, of course, nowhere to be found. Well, of course, if you're officials, you think, oh, God, this girl has a feeding tube and needs medicine and she has seizures and yeah. she has leukemia. Oh, God, we have to find her She's immediately. She's kidnapped. Something terrible's happened. Aaliyah Woodmancy, the neighbor that Gypsy had confided in about her secret online relationship with Nick, had saved all the texts Gypsy had sent her and showed the police this, thinking it might have something to do with what was going on. Police then traced the IP address of the Facebook post 
and within 24 hours, Gypsy and Nick were taken into custody on charges of murder and felony armed criminal action. This is one of the quickest solved cases. Yep. As the truth about Gypsy's life began to come out, people no longer saw her as a violent murderer, but as the victim that she had been for her entire life. The prosecution elected to not seek the death penalty for Gypsy or Nick, calling the case, quote, extraordinary and unusual. Yeah, I bet that they had not seen something like this before. I mean, you know, anytime there's a homicide, you think, what is the what is the motivation behind this crime? And no, again, clear. like the Menendez brothers, never is it ever an appropriate response sure. to take a life, right? Whether you're the state or whether you're, unless you are in imminent fear of your life. But... If ever you could say, I think I don't think anyone this person was pushed psychologically yeah. to the absolute end where she, I think she legitimately believed there was no other out. Oh, I, do I think too. there I think that rationally there was another out of like we said, finding a way to tell the neighbor that she needed help sure. that she, or something like that. But but we are not we're not we have not been victims of her mother's correct. abuse for 23 years. She was 23. She's 23. At this point. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I think you that's how I th I think that we live in this world. Like we've said before, where there's just so there are, I think, moral gray areas. I think you cannot definitively say, well, she killed her mom. So she deserves the death penalty. And that's it. And that's what it is. And right. you think, no, in no this way. case, there was definitely some whether it's uh, reasonable but there was some reasoning there was right, motivation sure. after obtaining gypsy's medical records her attorney was able to secure a plea bargain for second degree murder gypsy accepted the plea and is currently serving her 10-year sentence in chillicote correctional center in chillicote missouri and will be eligible for parole in 2024 when she is 32 years old. I probably didn't pronounce that right. So if you're from that beautiful place, I apologize. To be fair, we looked up how to pronounce it, and there were multiple different yes, ways. Yes, so, so we just picked one. 32 years old, she's still got a lifetime ahead of her when she's going to get out. And they said she really is looking forward to starting her own family. I mean, I hope she is. Don't tell me you can't start a family after 32. <laughs> oh, you can. I, had, I started mine at 38. See, there's hope. There's hope yet. <laughs> there is. While her and Nick no longer speak, Gypsy is currently engaged to a pen pal she made while in prison. She has said in an interview that she is happy and feels freer in prison than she ever did living with her mom. That Sounds is... like prison is better than Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> yeah. Also, prison is incredibly better than living with her mother. And with an oppressive, abusive person. Yeah. I absolutely agree. But they said this man that she is marrying, uh, she's engaged to, wrote to her after he saw Mommy Dead and Dearest, the HBO documentary. So, you know what? Shoot your shot, fellas, if you <laughs> if you see somebody on television. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. Also, I'm yet another person in prison that's in a relationship, and I'm not. I don't think you want to be in a relationship. I'm not judging this person, but I don't think I would like to be in a relationship with the type of person who watches a true crime documentary and then writes to the perpetrator. Yeah. That's it's a weird. I think I'll hold my standards as high as they are and have been. <laughs> We've said I will maintain we, my high one standards. day. We will do an episode about people that prison. start relationships with those that are locked up prison pen pals. At Nick's trial, his defense attorneys tried to paint a picture of a man in love willing to do anything to save Gypsy from Dee Dee's abuse. Additionally, they argued that since Nick was autistic, he was unable to deliberate committing the murder. Deliberation is a key component of first-degree murder. However, on day two of the trial, 
prosecutors showed footage of Nick telling a reporter of the night he killed Dee Dee. I waited at least a minute and thought about if I really wanted to do it. This mindset falls under the definition of first-degree murder, which requires a plan to kill. There was also a significant number of texts between Gypsy and Nick in which they referred to, quote, the plan multiple times. And I think this is where don't let your client do interviews comes in very importantly. Did he do this before he... No, he was in jail. He was in jail when he did it's that. It's a Skype okay. interview, and you can actually watch it online. Of He's on one side of the screen, a reporter's on the other side of the screen, and she says, what went through your mind the night right before you did it? And he says, exactly what I just said. I waited a minute, and I thought about if I really wanted to do it. And they put that up on a big screen in the courtroom and said... Look what there he just says. I don't he know also how nobody completely uh, confessed to everything when the, he was taken in by the cops. Oh yeah, not even again. Really, I think knowing the degree of what he was confessing, and you can also watch some of the footage online. And he just he has a a way of speaking, and I think it's probably derivative of his um, either autism or this disassociation, where he's very matter of fact, and he mm-hmm. just says honestly, I just thought I was. I thought I was trying to save her. Mm-hmm. So it's like he had the requisite mental state to have the deliberation and to understand. Again, the question is, well, couldn't he plead not guilty by reason of mental uh, defect or people say by reason of insanity and not in every state it's not called that. But he in some states it's called not reason, not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. But that means that you would have to have a disability or a mental illness that creates the inability to tell right from wrong. And in this case, he and Gypsy both hid the murder weapon, snuck in at night. Talked about it for a year. Well, and and knew that they had to sneak around. Yeah. And cleaned up the crime scene. So it shows remorse for their actions that they knew. If you just said, oh, I didn't know it was wrong to kill a person. That's the type of mental state that rises to the level of not guilty by reason of insanity. But when you have these indications that he contemplated what he was doing, he snuck in at night because he knew it was wrong. They hid the murder weapon. They washed the blood off. That all shows indications that he understood the that his actions were but illegal what if, and wrong. What if all of that was led by Gypsy? That's a great question. And and I think that's what he he has now said. He feels betrayed by her and that he was basically a hitman for hire. Yeah, he was manipulated. And I I think that will come out in the appeals as they are explored because mm, this has not been appealed up to the highest level right. yet. And we'll see where it goes. Interesting. The prosecution also painted Nick as a sex-obsessed, fully-grown man of sound mind whose intense desire to be with Gypsy Rose drove him to kill. They also conceded that although the murder was Gypsy's idea, Nick ultimately carried out the crime. No one in the courtroom disagreed that Dee Dee was an absolutely horrible person for the harm she inflicted on Gypsy throughout the years and that someone like that should be punished for their behavior. However, the prosecution maintained that the punishment should have been inflicted by a judge and a jury, not a knife in the night. And that's exactly what the Menendez prosecutor said, too. You know, we can all agree this is a very bad person. Yeah, that's not what that's not the debate here. Correct. That we don't live in a society where you can met out your own justice. Right. We this isn't the wild, wild west. Because if it was, I'd own my own saloon. (laughs) And I would be a lady of the night that worked (laughs) there in November 2018. After a four-day trial, a jury found Nick Godijan guilty of first-degree murder, and the judge sentenced him to life in prison without the possibility of parole. 
prior to Nick being sentenced, his attorney argued that Nick deserved a new trial. The defense attorney's argument came down to three points. One, the prosecution should not have been allowed to present evidence that Nick considered raping Dee Dee on the night of the murder. Two, the psychologist who testified for the prosecution should not have been allowed to testify. And three, the defense's psychologist should have been allowed to testify that Nick had diminished capacity. Although the judge denied the motion, he noted that the defense's psychologist may help as Nick's case moves through the appeals process, as the diminished capacity may be relevant in those courts. I do think, and I may be way off base, but I think that there should have been way more evidence of his manipulable state, that he Mm -hmm. was in a state of basically being presented with, this is from her saying, this is life or death. If you don't come and do this, I'm not going to survive. You have to rescue me. You have to save me. Mm -hmm. And... Also, clearly not, even if he understands his actions are right and wrong, clearly not having the capacity to extrapolate beyond this act to say, well, well, we'll just mail the knife back. You know, he didn't have that. Right. That knowledge. That his, I mean, in in the act, again, I'm not sure entirely how true to form this is, but his mother says he has the mental capacity of about a 14 or 15 year old. Mm-hmm due to various mental health problems. And because of the disassociated identity disorder, in the act he claims that Nick himself is a nice guy that couldn't do something like that. But his other personality that lives inside him, which in the show is called Victor, I think... in, In real life it's called Nikolai. Yeah. So he said... If you want something like that done, you're going to have to ask Victor. So she would, Gypsy would say, I need Victor. I need Victor to come and rescue me. So again, I agree with you that more testimony and evidence needed to be presented as to was he even in his right state of mind as himself as Nick? Yeah. Or was he this other personality that, you know, I I just, I don't know. I think that. Like you said, this is going to get appealed and we're going to see a lot more come out. I think so. And and for her, she, I guess, did the smart thing of taking the plea because she will be out pretty quickly. What's crazy is she, part of her plea deal did not mean that she had to testify against him, but she did. Yeah. She took the stand during his trial and testified that, yes, she told him to kill her mother. Yes, she gave him the knife she stole from Walmart, but that she didn't think he really basically had the balls to go through with it. So she kind of threw him under the bus a bit. Well, yeah, and also it seems like that she, that's like saying, well, I just didn't know that the house would catch on fire. I just poured gasoline all around yeah. and threw a match, but I don't know. I thought the wind might put the match out. It's like you got so close. She pushed him so close right to the edge that all it took was him barely putting his toe over yeah. the line. And in another interview and- I saw with her from jail, the interviewer said, well, you talked about and wanted to kill your mother and she says well talking thinking about my thinking about wanting my mother dead isn't a crime but i mean so she i don't know she was definitely a victim what happened was wrong you got to own up a little bit yeah and i think in this case she found a patsy i mean she found the perfect guy who especially if he said i have this violent alter ego I'm, you have to ask my violent alter ego. And she said, yes, sure. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. You have to take some ownership of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did. She pled guilty, but yeah, still. Yeah, that's true. 
Nick is currently serving his sentence at the Fulton Reception and Diagnostic Center, a maximum security men's prison in Fulton, Missouri. As he is ineligible for parole, he will wait out his days behind bars. Yeah, I'll be interested in seeing these appeals. Dee Dee had been deceiving everyone about Gypsy's condition for over 20 years. Both those close to her and strangers that provided help out of the kindness of their hearts felt shocked and betrayed. No one could understand how they could have been so naive. Dee's family showed no sympathy for the way her life ended and claimed that she got what she deserved. After Dee was cremated, no one would even pick up her ashes. Eventually, they were given to her father and stepmother, who proceeded to flush them down the toilet. Wow, that is the final, a final indication of how they felt. Yeah. The family also feels that Gypsy has been punished enough and should not have to suffer anymore in prison. They are absolutely on Gypsy's side, they think. Dee Dee got what she deserved and feel no sadness about the, about at least about her side of it. They have a lot of sadness and sympathy for what Gypsy endured. While in prison, Gypsy is also reconnected with her father, Rod, who in an interview with Dr. Field said, Our relationship is a hundred times better, honestly. We email each other. She can call me anytime and she does. I'm keeping tabs on all of her accomplishments in school. She's getting a GED. It's wonderful. I can't wait for her to get out so we can build on that foundation that we started here. Thank you for doing an interview with me. <laughs> God. It's Dr. Phil. <laughs> Just in case you guys didn't know, it's my Dr. Phil impression. So what do we think? I think it's, it's similar in a lot of ways to the Menendez of alleged lifelong abuse. I think in this case there's a lot more evidence of the abuse, but that does not give somebody carte blanche right. to end a life and especially in this case it, it there's so there is evidence that Nick Godejan was uh, malleable and she found a person to basically be the hands for her you know mm-hmm. what about you what do you think well it's it's just mind-boggling how something like this can even happen it seems when you try to really think about it it's just too upsetting to almost really come to terms with that a mother could do this to their child for it's, 23 years is just yeah. un, unimaginable and the lengths it's not just it's not even that she just faked the cancer and shaved her head and put her in a wheelchair the lengths of having the having her teeth removed having her salivary glands removed having a feeding tube inserted it's just this poor child and now young lady was just deprived of every fun milestone of eating a cupcake at her birthday mm-hmm. and bouncing in a bounce mm-hmm. house of going to a school dance with her friends and giggling in the corner having of, sleepovers having having sleepovers, a friend making you know cu- going through magazines with your friends yeah. and gossiping about boys playing mall madness think of the fun yeah. things that you did these things when i think about things like this i always think she has one life and this is what it was and it's gone and that's you know you get one shot at this depending on what you believe. And (laughs) her shot, again, it's the birth lottery we talk about. She just happened to be born to a fucking monster. Yeah. And had to endure this. Does it give her the right to kill? Absolutely not. I think everyone on that jury was like, well, I can see why this happened. Yeah. Even though I I might not agree that it was right. Yeah. Oh, but that's on, true. She didn't have but on jury. Nick's jury, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But they didn't give a shit about him. They pl- they uh, they deliberated for hours, like not days. Like the deliberation was short. Yeah. 
So they seem ready to kind of throw the book at him. So they may not have been. And that's the problem with. Maybe he didn't have that great of lawyers. You know, I, I wonder if he was his indigence rose to the the level of having court appointed lawyers or if they tried and they had a judge that just said, yeah, if the state moved to suppress some evidence or or to kick a witness. And if you have a judge that that rules that way, that's why we have an appeal system. You know, if you get yeah. an unfair trial and if the judge d- denies your motion for a new trial, you can always appeal up and up. And then once you've exhausted that, then, you know, of course, you can appeal uh, federally. But, man, it's. That's It'll be thing. interesting it's, to see. We see what so happens. much more than what the jury sees because the jury is only allowed right. to see the evidence that's presented to them. So yeah. yeah, that's wild. So yeah, we'll see. I think we'll see a lot more on the appeals, and yeah, she'll be out of jail soon. Well, if you haven't watched the act or Mommy Dead and Dearest, we both highly recommend both of them. Let us know what you guys think about it. If you'd like a good uh, uh, Dr. Phil dose of Dr. Phil in your ears, it's I about. Do not. I never want that. If I had to break down the Dr. Phil podcast about this, it would be. It's like 80% him just yelling into the void. Yeah. 10% fascinating, excellent interviews, and 10% advertisements, mostly for his son's podcast about music. He's like, if you like music, Travis does a music, or whatever his kid's name is. He does a music podcast. I like music. I will never listen to that podcast. (laughs) Dr. Phil is such a blowhard. God. (laughs) He's the poster child for being a blowhard. (laughs) <laughs> just a giant potato head. I would love to see Vic Berger edit Dr. Phil videos. He does Steve Harvey and he does like Trump videos. I would love to see some Dr. Phil videos. Yeah. Well, many of you have asked if we have a Patreon where you can donate to the show. We do. Our show will always remain free, but if you wish to donate to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit www.patreon.com forward slash sinisterhood. You can get some sweet perks like Patreon exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. And I always draw on the back of the envelopes and sign it and keep it creepy. And I've had local artists come through and help draw. <laughs> yeah, I want to draw on them next time. Okay, They're so not I'm... kept at my house. That's why no one has seen my artwork. Mostly, and I by just... artwork, I mean... It will be a very uh, nice stick figure with some curly Q hair drawn on it. I drew Leanne. So Leanne, who's my wife that I talk about on the show, she has Symmetry and Chaos as her art uh, company that she does. And she drew some mandalas and she drew a petal for Christy. And then I drew Buffy and Lucy. um, But mostly I drew ghosts doing stuff. And I drew ghosts making toast, which was my favorite one that I drew. I want... I'm going to draw on the next ones and I'm going to draw some ghosts doing stuff. I like it. Like fucking... (laughs) So if you want that Hashtag in your ghost ha- bang. If you want that in your house, go to our Patreon page. And we don't take requests. You just get what you get. That's true. Yes. Well, you guys. All right, damn we it. We have got an announcement. Ugh. So we've been having this iTunes reviews contest and we said if we got at least five hundred reviews by Memorial Day, which is in, still have a couple weeks. That we would stay for one night at the Adolphus Hotel, which is the most haunted hotel in Dallas. As of today, Heather, we have 502 reviews. God damn it, you guys. We're doing it. We're doing it, you guys. Thank you so much to everyone that submitted a review. It means so much to me. Heather is your dead to her. <laughs> Thanks a lot, you guys. Now I have to stay at a GD ghost hotel. <laughs> I'm probably going to get haunted. But that's not to say to stop leaving us reviews because it's uh We need to set milestones. Yes. Oh, our next one. What should our next one be? Um. Oh, man. 
You know what? What if we ask the listeners? Yeah, what do you think for when we hit the next... uh, What would our next milestone be? 750? Yeah, let's do 750. So if we can hit 750... What do you want to see us do? Yeah, but we're... And we'll pick a date depending on... What uh, what it is you want us to do? <laughs> if it's something that requires a lot of planning, we might need a, some additional time. But yeah, we're definitely going to stay at the Adolphus now and uh, interact with ghosts. I suppose maybe if we're lucky. There are lots of ghosts there. I I told you I no, interacted. You had with an one. encounter. I did. Good God! Well, thank you so much for reviewing us on iTunes, and that's actually the best thing you can do to help us grow. Like, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, and tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us, and it really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod, and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the internet? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO, and on Instagram at Christy M Wallace. I recently saw Hamilton posted a picture from that and some stories yes also I cried so hard that at one point tears were pulled in my cleavage (laughs) and that is not a joke (laughs) they were streaming so hard down my face and down my chest that they went straight to my boobers and created a little pool down there you lactating no no I'm crying have you ever heard it's quiet uptown god it'll wreck you man that'll get you (laughs) Heather, where are you at on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. Also stick around after the sign off. We got some Patreon shout outs and thanks so much for listening. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Now it's time for our Patreon shout outs. We thank you all so much and listen for your name. Regan Cushing. Jenny Flip. Kristen Maroney. Robin. Just Robin. Love it. Like Cher and Madonna who should also donate to our Patreon. <laughs> Angelina Medina. That is a very fun name to say. It's beautiful. Winter Halbach, which I also love Winter. That's a great name. Mm-hmm. Stacy, And Luca. I'm going to say... Well, Rhea Dowdy. You know this person. Shout out to my chiropractor. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, thank you, Rhea. I was going to say Rhea, so I'm glad Heather jumped in. She's going to be mad at me if I said her name wrong. I just call her Dr. Dowdy because she's my doctor. I saw her today. She popped my back. It was great. Oh, I love going to the chiropractor. Brittany Homan. India Rowland. Also a very pretty name. Sally Halderson. Rachel. Another Shara Madonna. Love it. Jeremy Ball. And Colleen Marie. Thank you guys so much. Keep it creepy. Mwahahaha. <laughs> Sinister Hood.